Welcome to Goal Setters, the podcast presented by Goal Standard Athletes, where we talk to youth athletes about life as an athlete and what they are doing to achieve their goals. I'm your host, Alyssa Hasbrook, the founder of Goal Standard Athletes. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at GSA underscore Goal Setters. We're here with our first guest in the sport of softball today, Alyssa Hasbrook. I had the fortunate pleasure of connecting with her through LinkedIn and um, hearing about her business and some of the things that she's got going on. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about her athletic career today, as well as um, allow her the opportunity to share about her business as well. So uh, I'm going to pass it over to Alyssa, allow her to just give some of her athletic background and also introduce us to what she's currently working on now as her um, post-athletic career um, begins. So go ahead, Alyssa, and fill us in. Uh, just to start off, thank you, Andrew, for having me on. You know, I really appreciate this, and uh, I'm really excited to get going. So my name is Lisa Hasbrook. I'm from Middletown, New York. It's like an hour north of New York City. Um, I played softball, as Andrew mentioned. I went to the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Uh, I played there from 2014 to 2017. I graduated there with my bachelor's in accounting, and I did stay an extra year, and I got my master's in accounting. Um, so after shortly after I moved back home to New York from Massachusetts, um, I started working at PricewaterhouseCoopers as a tax accountant. I currently still do that. And then also on the side, I run a youth athlete company called Gold Standard Athletes. And right now our main mission is just educating athletes to achieve big. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, we kind of run into a theme here. We've got a lot of former athletes that tend to be taking on entrepreneurship and, and their own business ideas. And um, similar to myself, it's awesome that you're using your platform to help, um, you know, the youth athletes. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I'll ask a few questions at the end so we can, you know, make sure the listeners know. But I'm also excited to hear about your athletic background. So um, I- I'm not familiar with the school that you attended as far as can you, what division um, of athletics were you competing in? Yeah, so my situation was a little bit unique. And when I was getting recruited by uh, UMass Lowell, um, they were D2. But I knew going into my freshman year that we would be, it would be our first year of Division One. So we compete, so we got uh, like a bid into the America East Conference, which is a lot of the competition was around the Northeast. So Binghamton University, Stony Brook University, um, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, um, all, uh, University of Albany. So it was pretty, I would say the farthest school from uh, Massachusetts was uh, UMBC in Baltimore, so. Very cool. And the, the first question that I like to ask all of our guests, just because it's it's always a different answer. And I think we've all had different experiences as athletes and we have different expectations of what the experience was going to be. So what was the most surprising part of becoming a college athlete for you um, as you transitioned into actually being one uh, in comparison to what you thought it would be like? Um, you know, I think the most surprising part was that I feel like in the back of the he- back of your head you know this but every every single person on that team was the best in their area you know they were the best on their travel team they were the best at their high school and however else you want to look at it but you have to I think you know that but once you actually see that that level of talent like it is almost like an eye-opener like wow like 
you know, I belong here and I have to compete to earn my spot. You know, it's not going to be like high school or your travel team where you kind of know, you know, I know I'm going to play, you know, first base for the next four years. Like you have to actually compete. Um, and then I think another surprising aspect is it's pretty much like a full-time job, um, you know, along with going and getting your, uh, your, your academics um, full-time, you have to do your, you know, whatever you do for your practices and lifting and games and all that, like that's also full-time. So you're, it's a lot of time management skills that you definitely learn on the fly. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love what you said about, it seems like we all know, especially, you know, as we transition to college, we know that everybody's going to be a great athlete and everybody mm -hmm. was, you know, a captain of their team or, or all state or all conference. But it's a different experience once you actually get there on the field and you compete against them and they're, they're your own teammates. Um, and I think no matter how much you kind of mentally prepare for that, um, it's always going to be a little bit of a shock when you first step into it. Um, and and kind of that bridge me, bridges me into the next question. Did you feel prepared as you were heading into college or were you feeling, um, you know, maybe some senses of anxiety or, or just being nervous about the experience? Because I think there's kind of a different, you know, some people are extremely confident and they're excited about the opportunity. And depending, you know, how far away you're going from home and various other things, um, some people have different emotions. So did you feel like you were prepared for everything that was coming your way? Um, I think yes and no. I think yes in the fact that, you know, I lifted weights for, you know, a few years before I actually went to college. You know, I always worked on my skills, whether it was playing all summer long in tournaments or just going to hit on the field with my dad, you know, every other day. Um, and I do think that for my age, I was always kind of more mature. Um, you know, I took responsibility. I took accountability for my actions. So yes in that fact. And then it's like no in the fact that, you know, you are actually, like, you have so much freedom, um, you know, and the decision-making that you have once you get to college is very important because, you know, one wrong decision or one right decision can change your whole path. Um, so I think, like, you just don't expect that, you know. That was the first time I ever, you know, was four hours away from home. So I think that in that aspect, you know, whether you're an hour away or four hours, you're not living at home anymore wherever you live. You're, it's a whole new environment, and I don't think you can ever, you know, be prepared for that. Right, right. It's definitely, you know, most most programs have the strength and condition in place in high school and stuff. But socially, I think, is where we find a lot of the time that we're, uh, you know, experiencing a lot of different things that we may have never been exposed to at all mm -hmm. before. Uh, so it's always interesting to see how some of those experiences play out during your time as a college athlete. And did you find yourself with, the, with some of those changes? What was some of the obstacles that you ran into? Or what was one, um, you know, just major obstacle or challenge that you had to overcome during your playing career? Um, I think there's a few main obstacles and I think one of the biggest obstacles for me or even as like honestly as a general like school was our transition from D2 to D1. Um, I think that you're it's almost like everyone's in a little bit of a frenzy because those first four years I knew going in that I would never be able to compete in playoffs. Um, it, you're in a probationary period of, you know, NCAA is still checking in on you, making sure your facilities are up to date, your coaches are, you know, doing their jobs correctly. Everyone, every, you know, every piece of the athletic department is, you know, in that D1 mindset. Um, so I think that already before I even stepped on campus was kind of like an obstacle that I knew I was going to have from day one. Um, you know, there's so much turnover. You know, I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, on any level of college, 
that there is a lot of turnover. You're not, you know, if you have a scholarship, that's only for one year. You know, you're not getting that scholarship for four years unless you earn it. They have to renew that. Um, so I think a lot of people don't expect that, you know, you might have a roommate that you, you know, thought you were going to live with in the next four years, but they decide to go another path and transfer or, um, you know, didn't make, didn't want to play sports anymore. So I think that was an obstacle. And then for my, personally for myself, one of the obstacles I had was I didn't really like my coach my freshman year. Um, we never really, not that we, you know, bickered or anything, but I, I, I never saw that we were on the same page and I didn't think I can, you know, be with that coach for four years. I didn't think he gave me a lot of opportunities. Um, and I think that, you know, I knew that there was more there out for me that I wanted to accomplish. Um, so I, I almost did transfer my freshman year. So I kind of went through the whole transfer process. Um, you know, I didn't really want to leave, but I knew like it was best for me and my family to go elsewhere. Um, so I went through that whole process. I was um, pretty much a third of the year knew I was leaving. And then in the summer of between my freshman and sophomore year, I thought I was going to one school and our classes set up and everything. And I decided that I wasn't going to transfer because my coach actually was fired from my original school. So it was, as soon as I, as soon as I heard that news, it was kind of like emotional because I was like, well, that was the main reason for transferring and now it's gone. So, you know, what do I do? So I, you know, I had one foot in one place and one foot in the other. So um, I ended up having to tell this new coach that I was supposed to transfer to that I was not going to be going to their school. So they weren't happy about that, but I knew that was the right decision for my for me, me and my family to go back to my original school because I didn't want to quit on my team. I didn't want to quit on my friends. Um, so I ended up going back to that school, not knowing even who the new coach was going to be and like what the opportunities um, was going to happen. So That's really interesting. I didn't. I got a couple quick follow-up questions on, on that previous answer. So did you knew when you were going to your university that you were not going to be able to compete in the playoffs at all during your time there? Yeah, so that was like the caveat of playing at that school was I knew that I would never be able to go past the regular season. We could win the regular season, but we couldn't go any farther than that, even if we wanted out. That's that's interesting. I, I know schools go through those situations, but I guess it's it's something I never really thought about for mm -hmm. myself as far as how does a program you know keep buy-in and keep people and yeah. keep their athletes invested. Um, and then on, on the second note, you mentioned kind of just having some difficulties with your coach your freshman year. Do you feel like um, during that recruiting process, did you feel like you were able to get a good glimpse of who your coach was, or do you feel like maybe you just didn't necessarily know who your coach was until you got to go through a full season and then you kind of just discovered more that maybe you necessarily weren't the best fit yeah um so yeah just to like kind of rewind when i was going through my recruiting process um i probably like a few division one and division two schools that i was looking at um in the beginning this uh umass old the school that i ended up going to that coach um he wanted me to come on a visit or like wanted me to go to a camp and I was like no I don't want to like I had no interest in that school um I it was weird because I just like didn't really want to give it a shot and my dad is like you know like just try like just go just go on the visit and whatnot because I don't it was a city campus and I at the time like I honestly I didn't know what a city campus was and I'm like ah, like I don't want that um, and I've never been to Massachusetts at that point in my life. So I was like, kind of like not really interested. Um, 
So I ended up going on a visit and what really, what you know, what really made me want to commit there was the fact that I really loved the team. So for me, that was like a big factor in why I wanted to go to that school. I felt like the team was really tight knit. You know, they were funny. You know, I could see myself, you know, hanging out with these um, girls. Um, in terms of like the coach, he was a, I mean, at the end of the day, coaches have to be kind of like sales uh, people and the fact that they want the, you to go to their school. So I didn't really see what I saw at school. Um, I mean, the fact that he did get fired was uh, was there was different like NCAA rules that he didn't follow. So again, I can't I could never you know foresee that was going to happen. I don't think anyone did. So um, I think just with the whole like transition from D two to D one, you know, I don't think he was the only coach that you know was turned over. And the fact that they brought in fresh coaches, um, so I think that goes along with the fact that. It was a lot of almost like on eggshells when you first for those coaches when you first uh, go Division One because they're not guaranteed anything. Yeah, and I think I think there's definitely some lessons in there for any young athletes listening. You know, Alyssa hit the nail on the head, right? I think I had four different defensive coordinators or position coaches in my time as a college athlete, and that's something I've talked about before, but. It definitely, it definitely brings to light that you need to consider a multitude of, you know, different factors when you're choosing a school. And I love the fact that you mentioned you felt like you had a bond with the team before you even made the decision, because I think that gets overlooked a lot. I think student athletes look at facilities and coaches and, and scholarship money, but they don't necessarily always reach out to current players on the team and see if they could see themselves fitting into that, that culture and environment. So um, I love that you talked about that. And then, you know, as you were going through some of those obstacles, um, as pretty much all of us did as, as student athletes, who did you have in your corner or who was your biggest support system, whether it was family or a previous coach or a friend? Who did you kind of rely on during those difficult times? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was my family, um, my parents, and I do have two younger sisters. Um, so, again, I could always lean on them, too. But my parents were a big factor and you know, you know, make, helping me make my decisions easier. You know, I think it was a really hard decision for me to decide, am I going to this new school or am I going to stay back at this new school? You know, I think they helped talk me through it. And uh, I think that was really important. Like, you know, my whole my whole life could have been changed if I went to this other school. Um, and so I think that, you know, between my parents and I have, uh, you know, a lot of friends that I felt like, you know, they were very supportive of what I was going to do in that moment, even like the friends that I had from UMass Lowell, you know, they were gonna, they were still like, you know, we'll still talk, we'll still hang out, like, even though they knew that, you know, maybe that's not what they wanted to see me do, but they knew that it was the right decision for me. So, you know, I think it's so important to have, you know, your corner of people and to surround yourself with people that, you know, support you and kind of guide you through that process. But at the end of the day, you make that decision for you. Right. It's def definitely a blessing to be able to have those people in your corner. And it sounds like you did have some great support and you do have to make the decisions on your own. But I think, you know, having that support gives you more confidence in the, the mm -hmm. end decision that oh, yeah. you make, definitely. knowing that those people will be there either way. Right. Kind of kind of switching past a little bit. I like to ask, you know, this is kind of more of a lighthearted, funny question. We, we, we steal the donkey of the day segment from the breakfast <laughs> club. But um, I know as student athletes, we've all got funny stories, great memories with our teammates. Um, and, and it doesn't even have to be within your sport. It could have been a different team on, on campus. But um, could you share maybe a funny memory or, or a silly thing or a, just a, you know, a decision that led to maybe some consequences within a program or um, any memory that sticks out to you as maybe something that 
probably shouldn't have been done by a student athlete on campus. And, you know, hopefully we, what we, the purpose of these stories is obviously to be learning lessons for younger student athletes and let them know that even though some of them are entirely ridiculous, they actually happen. Um, and of course, it's a responsibility to be a student athlete on campus and represent your school in a good light. So if you've got anything you're willing to share, that'd be, that would be great. Yeah, so, um, you know, luckily there wasn't any consequences to this story, but um, my freshman year, um, once I kind of knew I was transferring, I kind of like, I am not loosened up, but I wasn't really scared of my coaches like to do, you know, this or the other. Um, And our coach, he would write these like ridiculous scouting reports um, about our opponents and they kind of like didn't make really any sense. And he would send us these long emails of like housekeeping that was just like, again, really ridiculous. So we would, one day at the library, we just started writing our own scouting reports and they were kind of supposed to be like funny. So for example, we would play a team that had pinstripes and we would say, oh, you know, the team with the pinstripes, you know, they're going to hit home runs because they have, they wear pinstripes. Like that was almost ridiculously how bad his scouting reports were. So I would write these scouting reports and I would send them out to my team to kind of make them laugh because I knew I wasn't going to like come back even though I did come back. Um, so I kind of like didn't care, I guess, uh, to do that. <laughs> so I would just like send out these fake emails that I would say are from the coach and like say, you know, uh, so-and-so you need to tarp the field at, you know, 1am in the morning because it was almost so close to reality and the, and things that he asked of us to do. So I was like, yeah, like, this is funny. Like, and it makes everybody laugh. So I just kind of made these fake scouting reports and emails up. That's funny. That's an interesting one. I was not expecting that, but uh, <laughs> I, I fell victim to a few uh, ridiculous scouting reports in my day, so I, that's actually hilarious. Um, that kind of concludes the questions I had for you about your athletic career, but before we do end the uh, interview, I definitely want to allow you the opportunity to just share a little bit more about Gold Standard Athletes because I, you know, I follow you on social media and I love what you're doing with your brand and your organization, so if you could just you know, let listeners know a little bit more about what you do to support youth athletics and, and what your guys' mission is. That would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, so shortly after I graduated, um, even in high school and in college, I used to come home and coach. Um, I, my younger sisters, they play softball, volleyball, uh, kind of the sports like I did. So I would come home and coach and I always loved coaching. Um, and I still coach today. And I when I finished college, like I was coaching a few teams and I really loved it, but I knew I didn't want to particularly be a coach as my career. I just loved doing it to like volunteer and help out these kids and kind of use my experiences um, to help them, you know, in their life. So I knew that my job that I had, that I had to commute a long way and I knew I couldn't do this for the rest of my life. So I just started listening to different podcasts and about business and all this stuff about entrepreneurship. So I came up with the idea of making a GS box, which which was a subscription-based box that I would send out to youth athletes that I felt um, was an easy way for me to kind of do on the side and put different tidbits of information, whether it was recruiting, um, self-care, I would put snacks in there, I would put my GS swag in there, and I kind of uh, wrapped it up in a box and I would send it to um, athletes monthly. Um, So that was back in like 2018. I started at the end of 2018. Um, So kind of, I've been doing that for a few years. And then obviously when um, the pandemic hit uh, everyone, I kind of decided that I wanted to kind of take a different route. 
So I still do the GS boxes as like a one-off box, um, just a one-time deal. Um, and I still have a lot of gear, but I'm kind of trying to get into more of a recruiting space and more of like a consulting almost area that I can just continue to help these kids, you know, because being quarantined for three months, you don't, you don't really get a lot of face-to-face -face interaction anymore. So I wanted to be able to make a product that I'm currently working on that um, kind of allows me to virtually uh, or even, you know, in the long run, face-to-face -face work with these athletes and kind of help them on their journey to uh, wherever they want to go in life. That's awesome. And it's, you know, it's definitely a service that's needed. I know for myself, I had tons of questions and even with a supportive family and, and great parents, we were kind of just doing the scavenger hunt ourselves through Google and getting tons of information, but not really sorting through it and being able to speak to a former athlete that went through the process themselves and figured it out. So um, definitely appreciate everything that you're doing. And, you know, thank you. Thank you for listening to Goal Setters, the podcast presented by Goal Standard Athletes. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.